This is Season 6 of Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Listen, laugh, and learn. Who were the first people to put a picture of someone on a coin? What exactly is a Vietnamese dong? (laughs) Hi, I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. Welcome to Season 6, Episode 6. We scour the internet, as you know, and other sources to find out useless information just for you. Plus, we will answer your questions from our mailbag segment. And the headline from news from around the world, COVID-19 actually saved this woman's life. Totally useless information. It's everything you never needed to know. You want to rock my world? You want to rock my world, baby? It's a Not reason. really, no. but go ahead. <laughs> I right. think the Vietnamese dong will do that for you. <laughs> You'll find out what that is later in news from around the world. Thank you for joining us. According to research from Spotify and Figure One, which is a knowledge sharing platform for healthcare, 49% of doctors preferred rock as the musical genre for surgeons in the operating room. 48% of doctors surveyed said there was pop music, 43% classical music, relaxing jazz, 24%, and 21% preferred rhythm and blues. He might fall asleep while he's operating on me, but go ahead. Well, according to New York City transplant doctor Alan Benvincity, he says, Mm. I listen to bands from my youth and the feeling of nostalgia brings me to a calm, focused place. People's lives are literally in my hands, he says, and listening to rock puts me in a comfortable place so that my full attention is on my patience what i would hate is for a doctor to really get into the music and start playing air guitar while he's transplanting your heart or yeah. something or do something wrong and say i blame it on led zeppelin <laughs> <laughs> more coming about led zeppelin in the music part of this uh show but beautiful i hate to do the segue marie curie mm-hmm. is the only scientist to have won the nobel peace prize twice oh once for her work on the fundamentals of radium which we all know, but she won a second Nobel Prize for her work on radium and polenium, which is something different. I don't know what, but it is. (laughs) Okay. But I'll tell you, when asked, she said, I'm just glowing about it. She had that perpetual glow about her. We as humans cannot tickle ourselves. It is because we're already expecting it. And a big part of what makes a tickle ticklish is the element of surprise. Tickling is an important sign that someone or something is touching you. In general, there are two types of tickles. I don't know if you knew that, but not only one, but there are two types of tickles. Yeah, the one that uh, you pay for with the feather. But go ahead. <laughs> no, that's not one of them. Maybe that's a third one. There are the good tickles, which is maybe what you just said. Like mm-hmm. when your family or friends tickle you to make you laugh. And mm-hmm. there are bad tickles, like when you feel like a bug is on you. Oh, they consider that a tickle? I don't consider that a tickle. Yeah, don't you get all, all icky when you feel like a bug's on you? Yeah, but it's not. Tickle, tickle makes well, people laugh. I don't know. I guess it's, well, that's a, tickle. A, no, it's but, a tickle. But that's a bad tickle, you see. It doesn't make people laugh. It makes people squirm. That's a bad one. Yes, especially if it's like a big black widow crawling up your leg, which it is right now. Yeah. Ah, okay. and, and she's got a, And she's got a feather. Yeah. 
Yeah, the feather massage thing. Yeah, that's a tickling thing. Okay. <laughs> you learn a lot on this show. Listen, laugh, learn and learn. Yep. Feather massages. But two months after Sputnik 1, the Soviets launched Sputnik 2 with a different passenger. It was a dog named Laika. Laika was the first animal in space, orbited the Earth two times, but died seven hours later. Oh, since then, the Russians treat their astronauts like dogs. <laughs> no, like a dog. Oh, poor Laika. Yeah, yeah, I like that dog. <laughs> yeah, was it a was there an Italian astronaut on, on the sh- spaceship? Yeah, that's a, I like that dog. I like the dog. That's how. They, yeah, that's my dog. I like it. The dog's name was actually Spot, but because the Italian talked, they thought the dog's name was Laika. <laughs> I like the dog. In pipe hydropower, hydroelectricity is a greener way to generate power than burning fossil fuels, but there are smaller scale sources of hydro generation that can have a lower impact. In fact, one of them is right under our feet, namely the pipes that make the water flow when we turn on the tap. Halifax, in fact, is the first city in Canada, and I'm in Toronto, Canada. Roy is in Florida, of course. So Halifax is the first Canadian city to exploit in-pipe power. In 2014, a pilot project started. It started with a turbine, basically a water pump that runs in reverse, and in a single pipe in a Halifax suburb. The 31,000-kilowatt turbine has been generating roughly enough electricity annually to power 25 homes and selling back to the grid for about $30,000 a year. I put one of those turbines on my toilet. (laughs) You mean because every time you flush the toilet or every time you sit on the... Oh, both, both. It collects gas and the turbine at the same time. I'm powering the entire community. Yeah, it's called in-pipe propulsion. Plenty of power, I think. Your iPhone, Nick, do you know how many pixels your camera is? Well, I don't have an iPhone. I haven't really uh, bought into that whole thing. I think iPhone is just a passing fad. But yeah, go on. I have an Android phone. <laughs> yeah, what do you have? What kind of phone do you have, It's a Nick? Samsung Android phone. So you I have could... a Samsung phone. That's correct. How many pixels is the camera? I don't know how many pixels. But an iPhone has roughly, I think, 10 megapixels. As the new ones have 20, 30 megapixels yeah. of resolution on their cameras. Okay. Well, the human eye, get ready for this. The human eye has 576 megapixels of resolution. The brain only uses 150 DPI of resolution at a time. So basically, it's only using a quarter of you know what what is what we can do yeah I, I can relate to that because we only use part of our brain as you're listening to totally useless information with mm-hmm. nick and roy somebody might ask this you this question you know they might come up to you and say hey roy how many earths can fit into the sun has anybody ever asked you that um no okay well if they happen <laughs> to ask you except for that uh, massage therapist with the feather but go ahead <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah, and her name was boa um so here's the answer if someone asks you or anybody in the audience if someone comes comes up to you and says hey how many earths fit into the sun this is the answer if you took the earth and squished it together without any space you can fit mm-hmm. 1.3 million earths inside the sun Whoa. But science. That's a big number. It is a big number, but scientists estimate that if the Earth retained its spherical shape, you can fit 960,000 Earths inside the sun. Wow. 1.3 million? Yep, if it's all squished together without any spaces. 
The number two mm-hmm. is the only now, folks, again, we listen, laugh and learn on this program. You'll learn stuff that you're going to tell people. This one's interesting. The number two is the only even prime number. There's only one. And it is the number two. A prime number is a special number that is only divisible by one or itself. So one divided by two is two and two divided by itself is two. So the number two is the only even number that is divisible by one and itself. Go ahead. You could try it. Try every other prime number. Sure. Mm -hmm. That's right. See, I listen. I should laugh and I'm learning. As you're listening to totally useless information with Nick and Roy. Wall Street, Bay Street, NASDAQ, Hensing, loonies, toonies, dollars, and yens. This is On The Money with Nick and Roy. So if someone wins the jackpot, the jackpot, Mm -hmm. where did the term jackpot come from? Jackpot originally popped up around the 1870s and was from the poker game, Jacks Are Better. This is much Mm. like the traditional five-card draw, except in this case, if a player does not have a pair of jacks or better in the first round of betting, he has to pass. That doesn't necessarily mean that he has to be holding a pair of jacks, queens, or the like. It just means that he has to be holding cards that will beat a pair of tens. Jackpot. And that's how jackpot comes around. Jacks the game. Are Jacks are that's, better. That's right. And the game queens are better. There's nothing wrong with that, Nick. No, not at all. It's queen pot. The Romans were the first. This is my teaser. Okay. The Romans were the first to stamp an image of a person on a coin or money. After winning a major battle, Caesar said because he was so full of himself he ordered a coin struck with his image on it now remember at the time that was considered the height of political patronage to put your own likeness it was literally considered to be horrible to do yeah but of course caesar could care less and he was so full of himself that he said i want my image on a coin and he did there you go. He did it. And then after that, he had a salad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bouncing a check. Caesar salad. A Caesar. Well, yeah. No. Caesar's no, salad. A chef salad. Of course, it's a Caesar salad. Um, you never know. He could have had a Cobb salad. He might have had a preference for that. I don't know. We don't know. Listen, laugh, and learn. A bounced check is not bouncing because the check is made of rubber. It appears that bad checks have been called rubber checks for at least as long as they've been described as bouncing. This is Damon Runyon who wrote this in 1920. He's an American journalist and the short story writer. In fact, he's known for his book, and I think you'll remember this, Guys and Dolls. Really? Damon Runyon wrote Guys and Dolls. He said a bad check is called rubber because it, it bounces back when it hits the bank. Right, because NSF, right, no insufficient funds. So it bounced back from the bank. Bounces back to the creditor. That is correct. So it bounces back to the person trying to redeem it for cash at a bank. Knights, back in the times, medieval times, Mm -hmm. knights did not carry money. Instead, they had specially embossed rings that they wore. If they made a purchase the person would hand them a receipt at which point they would stamp their fist down on it with the ring and make an impression of the ring on the receipt. 
then the person that sold it to him, the shop owner or the bartender <laughs> in that case, yeah. would go to the the um, castle of the knight and collect the money. And you said this happened in the days of knights. In the days of nights, nights. not to be confusing with the nights of days. Right. Okay. Uh, Here are some quirky currencies from around the world and beyond, actually. The quid, Q-U-I-D, scientists from the National Space Center and University of uh, Leicester have designed the quid, and it's short for quasi-universal intergalactic denomination to be used as space currency, quid. Quasi-universal intergalactic denomination. Oh, so they made a space money just in case we go to Mars and we need to buy like a, a soda or something. Exactly. It sounds like weirdos to me. Yeah. And mushrooms that they found in an Arizona desert. <laughs> it's money that's out of this world. I dare I did it. I said it. You know it was. I think they're out of this world. <laughs> they sitting there doing the mushrooms, going, wouldn't it be cool to have money that we could spend in space? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah sure. Mm-hmm. Up until World War II, we're talking 1930s. Okay. Late 1930s. The Siberian people valued bricks of tea. As actual currency. Now, I, I it sounds crazy, but they would buy bricks of tea and they would use it as currency because in the winter they would, of course, brew the tea and it was a hot drink. Yeah. But they would also eat the tea. Apparently it had some medicinal purposes, I guess, to settle stomachs or whatever. I don't know, but they would eat, literally eat the tea as well. So it was so valuable, it was considered money because it doesn't go bad. Yeah. So the tea was steeped in currency. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yes. Here's- you know, it is, it, it, it's, a, it's a brew, you know, it it's is. just a brew that you love. Yeah. And there was a big brew. Ha ha. Yeah. Forget it. Uh, here, here's, <laughs> here's my teaser. What is the Vietnamese dong? Vietnamese dong. Uh, no. Not no. dong dong. D-O-N-G. It's been called one of the most sophisticated. Wait a minute. That's who used the feather. Now I remember her name. Do dong. <laughs> Boa dong. Uh, Do dong. The name. Uh, the Vietnamese dong has been called one of the most sophisticated currencies in the world because of its extremely effective design. It has mm. been Vietnam's currency since May the 3rd, 1978. The current dong bills depict the country's former president, Ho Chi Minh, in a portrait mm. style. They also feature intricate line drawings known as microprinting. And Vietnamese money contains at least two security codes, which makes them really difficult to counterfeit. The Vietnamese dong. Mm-hmm. Right. And they store them in tunnels all over the country. <laughs> oh, my God. You're going to love this one, Nick. Okay. Queen Elizabeth uh-huh. has another major distinction, not just being queen. Okay. She has another major distinction. Okay. It has to do with money. She is not, you know, she's the longest living queen, but she's not the longest serving yet, but she's the longest living. Okay. But that's not what what this is all about. She appears on 15 different banknotes. And of course, you'll know this because you're Canadian. As young as eight years old, she appeared on the Canadian $20 bill. But she appears on 15 different notes, I think in five countries. Wow, she gets around. <laughs> yeah, she gets around the queen. Well, how old is she? 90, 
94? Okay, let's find out how old is the queen. Uh, she's 95. Well, uh, God bless the queen. God bless the queen. Which, by the way, here's a bonus fact. It is illegal to scare the queen in Canada. It is illegal to scare the queen. She gets down in Toronto. She might be like, what? <laughs> what happened? Speaking of Toronto, <laughs> thank you very much for listening. Uh, we are on the iHeartRadio Talk Network. We, list, we welcome the listeners from News Talk 1010 in Toronto, uh, CKLW in Windsor, and also CFAX in Victoria, B.C., and 62 other countries around the world. We thank you as you're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. From Beethoven to Bieber. Rock and roll to rhythm and blues. This is totally useless music information with Nick and Roy. All right. We got the music part. By the way, folks, I, I wanted to tell you, too, while you're listening, we do these birthday things for people where you go to our website and you just type on uh, tap on birthday. It is the gift, male, female. It's the perfect gift for people that have everything. We do a totally useless information show for that person's birthday. And there's an example on it. Really, honestly, it is the coolest gift ever. And uh, you should go on www.nickandroy.com. A new so and improved. Let me do my music one. Oh, yes. It's a new and improved. Yes, I have Nick to say it is. Com. That's right. The website is new and improved. We're not. No, no, it's the same old show on a new website. It's kind of like repackaging Coca-Cola. Right. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're classic. So what do you got for music? The most expensive photo ever taken and paid for mm -hmm. was a music star. Get ready. Britney Spears. Wow. Britney Spears yeah. shaved her head and looked like Nick. <laughs> That's exactly why she did it. Yeah. In fact, I'm doing this show with Britney Spears. No, uh, but she shaved her head and literally had a picture taken of her and got paid five hundred thousand dollars. So who's the crazy one now? <laughs> so well, she's like, yeah. I need to buy a Rolls Royce and a couple other items, you know, on Rodeo. So let me just shave my head. So because I'm already follically challenged, so if she got paid five hundred thousand dollars to shave her head, they'll pay right. me five hundred thousand if I can grow hair. Nick, she chose to shave her head. Yeah, and got five hundred thousand dollars. You have saved well over five hundred thousand in haircuts. That's correct. <laughs> yeah, in high school, I was voted most likely to recede. The uh, musical group Boston. They mm. had their debut album, and it stood out in a record store because it was unique. It has a unique cover art because, as you know, and you know, if you bought it's albums, a guitar spaceship. Exactly, it's featured a guitar-shaped spaceship that carried the city of Boston inside a clear dome. The word "Boston" was emblazoned across the front of the spaceship. It's an upside-down guitar. I love that cover. I, I played that album so many times and just looked at that cover. Yeah. And you have to look at it because of the buildings and stuff. So you want to see if there's anything subliminal in there after you smoke three or four joints. But anyway, having said that and given yes. myself away, I believe there's a statute of limitations. But right. in 1966, speaking about the <laughs> great segues. Yes. Folks, get ready. This is another right. Down. The Beatles released the number one hit song got to get you into my life and you can't even say that without saying got to get you into my life <laughs> it was on the revolver album 
But did you know that the song, the you in the got to get you into my life is about marijuana? Really? Yes. Paul McCartney actually admits it. He said we were talking about how and if you think about it, I was alone. I took a ride. I didn't know what I would find there. Yeah. You know, I mean, so if you go through the words, you'll realize it's about marijuana. There you go. Listen, laugh, and learn. Uh, we all remember. We know it's iconic, right? Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. What are the first three notes? Da, 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 da. It's sometimes referred to as the Victory Symphony because of its role in the Second World War. Because of the distinctive four notes of the opening motif, and you just did it. You know, the same short, 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 long. That, yeah. that okay. Da 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 da. That pattern is the most. Morse code. Is the Morse code oh, for the letter V. And the Allied powers used Beethoven's piece as a symbol for victory in the propaganda campaign V for Victory. You know, it's funny because I was a Boy Scout. I was an Eagle Scout. And um, we had to be proficient in Morse code. Ah. So when you said dot, 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 I just naturally thought of dot, 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 dash. It's when Eagle Scouts actually had to learn how to fly. <laughs> yes it's it's difficult to soar with eagles when you're flying with turkeys is the expression yeah paul mccartney back to paul sir yes. paul mccartney he performed at the 2012 london olympics the opening ceremonies remember baby i'm amazed oh okay. yeah, yeah 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 he wanted to do it for free for his country he said i want to do it for england and i'm going to do it for free when he said that, they said, oh, 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 nope, no, I'm sorry. There are laws against that. You cannot do it for free. You must get paid. So he immediately had his lawyers draw up a contract to get paid one euro for his performance <laughs> in the 2012 opening ceremonies. One dollar. <laughs> one euro, which I guess is like $19. Uh, yeah, it's, now it's even more, but go ahead. <laughs> say cheese. According to Alan Cross, who's a music historian, Chuck Berry, the godfather of rock and roll, the godfather of soul, Chuck yeah. Berry, not the game show host. This is Chuck Berry, the musician. Mm -hmm. He originally only performed music to buy photography equipment to support his aspirations of becoming a professional photographer. Oh, so wow. he had no intention of becoming a musician. So he performed because he was able to obviously perform you know, music. And so he made money to buy photographic equipment. But we all know now, of course, the history, Chuck Berry is one of the, the, well, the godfather of rock and roll. He's one of the best all-time musicians of all time. Yeah. He made the song My Dingling. He did. Or my <laughs> or my Vietnamese dong. <laughs> or oh, the old feather tickle. Yeah. Here's a cool music fact. Again, these are good ones, guys. And I spoke about Led Zeppelin before. Led Zeppelin was recording in the UK mm -hmm. in a remote studio. And while recording, by chance, somebody had left the door ajar, very open a little bit. By chance, a dog opens the door and walks into the studio and sits down while they're recording. They finish the song and immediately rename the song Black Dog. Wow. One of their famous songs. 
So if a black cat would have walked in, they would have named it Black Cat, maybe. You're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. As we mentioned, you go to our brand spanking new, and we mean spanking because we were spanking ourselves when we saw the website. So brand spanking new. I'm spanking myself right now. <laughs> Nick and Roy. Oh, that has so many different entendres. Uh, spanking. Nick, <laughs> spanking. Long dong is spanking me. I'm spanking my Vietnamese dong right now as we speak. You're listening to... <laughs> totally use this information with Nick and Roy. You That's go to my pornography stage name, the, Long Dong. Long Dong. There you go. <laughs> yeah. The uh, website is nickandroy.com. You can click on contact us and send us an email. What's in the mailbag? What's in the Mark from Toronto, which is where I reside, he writes, Dear Nick and Roy, I love listening to your show. It really makes me happy listening to you guys. Why, thank you, Mark. We, um, we're glad that we make you happy. We have a great time. I hope you can help me. So he needs help. I have heard people say the whole kitten caboodle. What the heck yeah. does that mean? Where did that expression come from? So, Mark from Toronto, thank you for your email. Kit and Caboodle has origins to the 18th century. In England, kit, which comes from the word kith, meaning estate. So the whole kith would mean everything one owns. Soldiers in the 1700s also carried a bag with everything they needed called a kit bag, caboodle. So there you go, Mark. Kit and Caboodle, that's where that all came from. Thank you for your email, and thank you for going on nickandroy.com and clicking on Contact Us. Martin from Louisville, Kentucky says, My wife, Kathy with a K, and I love your show. We want to thank you for putting out a show that is funny. He doesn't know of any other show. Well, thank you very much, Martin. He says, please keep up the good work. And we shall, because now we're in 62 countries and on stations from coast to coast in Canada on the iHeartRadio network. Uh, but so in, for you, a little tidbit. In 1856, a guy named J. Fredericks Hillerich from Germany, <laughs> he went to Louisville and began producing, <laughs> he began producing wood products and eventually started producing bats. He became the largest bat producer in the world, the Louisville Slugger. And that uh, same Louisville Slugger helped me win a lot of fights in New York, allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> well, allegedly, you can go to our website, nickandroy.com, and send us an email by clicking on Contact Us. The website, once again, nickandroy.com. And now, for something completely useless. So I was in the shower, Nick. Thank God for that, yeah. This morning, and I was admiring myself. No, no, no. <laughs> And thinking about the Vietnamese dong, yes. So I was in the shower, and I'm shampooing my head. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, where did shampoo come from? Folks, we don't just... We literally come up with these things sometimes just out of the clear blue sky. We're in the shower. I'm in the shower shampooing my head. Where did shampoo come from? Exactly. Now that I have everyone's attention, <laughs> shampoo was originated in ancient times in India. They know this because they found it. They used Indian gooseberries 
and other herbs like soap berries, which they call them later on, soap berries, which created a lather. So when they put this stuff, this concoction in, it not only cleaned the hair by creating a lather as well, and voila, we have shampoo. I'm sorry, I totally zoned out during that whole segment. Were you talking about shampoo or something? Yeah, I, you, I know that you don't use it. So I went to Costco once and I got a big bottle of whatever brand that it was, like it was like one of those big ones, because at Costco everything's big, right? So the cashier is you know, putting the stuff through and up, up comes the big bottle of shampoo. She looks at the shampoo, then looks at me, looks back at the shampoo and I said, what? It's a one-year supply, what's the problem? <laughs> it said extra hair and Nick said I made a mistake I wanted the one that said extra scalp that's right it is scalp <laughs> it was scalp plus I think uh, confetti where did confetti come from now Ooh, some Italians uh, their ears might per perk up because confetti refers to both the sugar coated almonds presented to wedding guests have you ever gone to a, if you ever gone to an Italian wedding they have those little uh, sort of sack of almost like a, a silk Jordan. Bag. Jordan almonds is what they're called. Jordan almonds. They're sugar-coated almonds. Okay, they're presented it's to wedding delicious. guests in dainty bags and tiny bits of colored paper tossed into the air is another definition of confetti. Mm. Both trace their name back to the Latin conficere, which is confect to compose or to make. At weddings, confetti were tossed over the heads of the bride and groom to ensure fertility. And knock somebody's eye out, I guess, at the same time. Mm -hmm. The tradition sure. may have had its origins in ancient Rome, where wheat cakes were crumbled over the bride's head. Yeah. There you go. Now, not only that, but since, <laughs> but since candied almonds were also expensive to make, another solution was to make plaster in the shape and the size of the candied almonds so that it was sold by the basketful and they hurled this plaster at friends. And lovers mm -hmm. and other strangers. Tossing confetti was a way to flirt, attract the attention of a prospective mate. Yeah, here, throw some plaster and love me forever. Here, you see the Italian guy? Hey, Maroni, you're so stupid. I hit you in the head with this wheat cake if you don't go home and cook or something. <laughs> cook or something and make it the babies. <laughs> you know that Jordan almonds were my favorite candy as a kid? How bizarre is that? Today on the show, we talked about uh, science. We talked about money and the Vietnamese dong. We talked about music. It's time for the news. Oh, no. From around the corner and around world this is tui news for most of her life hospital kitchen worker mary mccarthy often had a pain on the right side of her nose last year after an ex extremely painful covid19 test because in my teaser i said the headline was covid19 actually saved her life her nasal hmm. problems deteriorated the reason became obvious when a surgeon at a Christchurch hospital extracted a yellow tiddlywinks piece 37 years after it was lodged in her upper nose as a child. What? The surgeon also removed calcified material that had grown around so the tiddlywinks. So the surgeon worked, his, he did, he worked from the tiddly and gave in her the a, nose? 
Yes, he grabbed a tiddlywink from her nose 37 mm-hmm. years after she lodged it in there. Now, tiddlywinks is the game which was developed in England in the 1860s and played. it's played with uh, small uh, sets of small discs called winks. Little tiddlies. Yeah, Little tiddlies. exactly. All right. Yeah. So McCarthy, who's now 45, was recovering, although still in pain and very nasal, was breathing through her right nostril for the first time How in eight months. How big is a tiddlywinks piece? Uh, almost the size of a dime. In her nose for 30-something years. Yep. She didn't realize there was a problem. She remembered that while playing Tiddlywinks as a kid when she was eight years old. So 37, so that makes her 45. Wow. 45 years old. Okay. 30. Oh, my God. So as a kid, you know, she and her, her siblings were playing, and then she would stick them up their nose and then blow them out of their nose. Mm-hmm. One time she in- accidentally inhaled one of them instead of blowing it out, and she was too scared to tell her mother, so she didn't. So she hid it there. She hid it in her nose. <laughs> she remembered being. She t- said, Nobody will know. <laughs> Nobody will know. <laughs> Nobody knows it was in her nose. See, that's what she knew. She knows it's up there. That's right. But she remembered being terrified at the time because thinking, where where did it go? And then she always had difficulty breathing, like I have difficulty talking, through her nose over the years, but never gave it much thought. But the problem took a turn for the worse. Uh-oh. The tiddlywink that caused McCarthy's pain and breathing difficulties started to get lodged. After a yeah. COVID-19 nasal swab test, she was in pain for days afterwards. There it goes. Then starting developing serious sinus problems. Her nose mm-hmm. was leaking constantly and in a lot of pain. She went to several general practitioners, and they put the pain down as a chronic sinus condition. I had a friend that had a problem like that, the leakiness as well, and the hiding of the tiddlywinks, but not in the nose. Uh, the tiddlywinks were hidden in another spot and were not found unless the person hadn't tried to smuggle that cocaine across the border. <laughs> so cocaine saved the life of a friend of mine. <laughs> so luckily the nurse at the hospital believed it was more than just sinus pain. I'm ignoring that for a reason. They asked me, because it's a little uncomfortable as you're squirming in your seat, they asked me yes. if, I, if I ever put anything up my nose, and I told them about the tiddlywink and sort of laughed wow. it off. Well, she knew it. A CT scan revealed an object in her upper nose. And mm-hmm. although it did not look like a tiddlywink, he removed it. And while she was awake, by the way, it was too big. And they had to get in there and really dig it out, literally. When she, she woke up from surgery, she said, what was it? And they said, and they were laughing. She was the laughing stock of the hospital. Imagine this poor lady, right? A tiddlywink. And it wasn't even, and it didn't even lose its color. After so no. many years, there was classic calcification, like we said, and, um, yeah, and now this was, is disgusting. And she I said, "Like when people put their finger in their nose, nevertheless a tiddlywink." She said her nose had grown a little bit crooked, so she was looking ah, forward around the tiddlywink. She was looking forward to a life of easier breathing and a straighter nose. So she has the tiddlywink up her nose, right? She goes to the doctor, surgeon. I yeah. assume was he a famous doctor? Was his name like Dr. Nostrodamus? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he predicted that he knew he knew what it was. He predicted it in advance. It was one of his, in one of his quatrains, stupid woman puts thing up nose, tiddlywinker. Dr. Nost- <laughs> Dr. Nostrodamus. 
That's right. And no more games. No more games for her. Boy, it, Wait, it, but 30 something years she put the tiddlywink in her nose and she left it there. Yeah. She's not a normal person, no, Nick. Something's not. wrong with her. I'm glad it was a tiddlywink and not a. Mon- was this in Florida? Uh, no, it was in Christchurch, which is done, I think, in New Zealand, I believe. Oh, oh well, yeah, they're not right. Yeah, I think it was Florida. Key, you know what? Kiwis. Listen, it was Florida, New Zealand. That's yeah, what it was. It was Kiwi. <laughs> speaking, <laughs> speaking of hairy Kiwis, we're out of here. Uh, thank you for joining us. Uh, we are done for this week's episode of Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. And as we say every week, we scour the Internet and other sources to find more useless information for you guys next week. So... Share it with a friend. Tell everyone you know about the show. So, for now, I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. Thanks for listening. Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy is a production of NickAndRoy.com. Visit NickAndRoy.com to access the full library of episodes or wherever you get your podcasts.